0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, well, you're in the right place. We always say it, and we always mean it, because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a writer named Stefan Zoder. Let's see what he has to say. Data monetization, aha. Data monetization is a tremendously gooey subject. It can mean so many different things, and almost everybody has a different twist on it. What is the secret sauce you have within your data repositories? Research has shown there is money in data that's what we're going to be talking about today, money in your data. Topic is time to turn your data into money, but how? Let me explain a little bit more before I introduce my two guests. So are you dreaming about monetizing the data your company has? Come on, this is the age of volumes and volumes and velocity and variations. You've got data coming out of everywhere, coming into everywhere. What in the world are you going to do with it? Well, I've got good news for you. It's a real thing. Data monetization actually is a real thing. It's not just a dream. Companies are doing it. Any size company can do it on a couple of conditions. Number one, you have to rethink your business model. You might not be ready for that, but it's time to think about it. And you have to attain the highest standards of the quality and the security of your data. That could be the tougher part. So where do you start? You've got to harmonize your projects for data monetization with your business goals and your strategies. And if you listen for the rest of this hour to my two experts on the topic, you'll gain a lot of insights that will move you along that journey. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. And let me tell you who my two panelists are, and then I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves first up in a moment we'll be hearing from Dr. Sebastian Derwish he spells his last name D-E-R-W-I-S-C-H he's an analyst and data scientist we love data scientists at the Business Application Research Center and they abbreviate the company B-A-R-C and joining him is Wolfgang Epting at SAP we'll find out what Wolfgang does I have his bio here He, he is a solution advisor chief expert for platform and database management Central and Eastern Europe there you go so, Dr. Sebastian Derwish, would you please tell our audience a little bit about what you do? What is your role and what does Bark do, please? Um, well, uh, first of all, thanks, Bonnie, for having me on
2: the show. Um, so so what is Bark doing? We're an analyst company. So we are looking actually like at the, at the IT market in different segments. So um, from, from big data solutions, business intelligence, and also advanced analytics solutions. And we advise companies in how we actually conduct, like, you know, for example, data science projects. So like the organizational part the use case part, but also like the the technical part, of course. Um, So, and that's basically also my role at at, at BARC, right? So, I'm basically a data scientist advising, you know, how do you identify use cases, uh, how do you start over with those use cases, uh, what what kind of preconditions you have to fulfill in your company, organizational-wise, also technical. Um, So, um, we we conduct prototypes, you know, and we we help companies learn in this process, basically, you know, to actually, like, be, be able to carry out these processes themselves eventually.
1: Very, very interesting. Uh, uh, Sebastian, may I call you Sebastian? You want me to call you Dr. Derwish? What's your pleasure? No, no, Sebastian. Please. Sebastian. Okay, thank you very much. My question to you is, is data monetization a real thing i said in my intro it is and i quoted somebody i found online but i'm i'm more interested briefly in your take on it is it real is it attainable is it something that in somebody's lifetime they could say ah we've got all this data yes we can find the money the money value in it so what's your thought does it is it real no of course
2: it's real i mean you know it's, it's um it's not a it's not a extremely mature subject in a way. I mean, we we see, Mm -hmm. uh, we observe companies in different stages of maturity, and there aren't a a lot of companies, you know, that have reached a high maturity, but there are some. And we do observe that many companies are starting, basically, to get into the the business of data monetization. Because it needs uh, a certain level of experimentation and, and gaining experience in this process, Right. Um, so you need to, you know, as, as you mentioned it in, in the beginning, you know, you might need to reshape your business model. You might need to work on your data quality. So there is a learning process involved with this. Uh and, and, and some companies are ahead of the, um, the, the others and, and some, some are learning. But overall, I think the, the topic is maturing. And, and you don't have to wait a lifetime to actually see coming, uh, coming money out of data. I think uh, this, is, this is very real, actually.
1: That's what I wanted to know. Thank you very much. That's what I like. That's our reality check. And now let's move one seat around the table. I just have two guests today, but they have so much to say. And Wolfgang Epting at SAP. Wolfgang, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. And do you agree? Data monetization is real. It's doable. And we're going to be able to help people talk them through a little bit of it today. Wolfgang?
2: Yes. Um, so, first of all, thank you very much for having me on this call and for inviting my me. My pleasure. So, my role my role at um, SAP, I'm working in a so-called center of excellence. So, I'm helping our customers to implement strategies um, around data. Data means um, data governance, data quality, data integration, data security. And um, so, based on my history with um, IBM and Informatica, so I'm, I work with, with, with data. I love data and, um, I help our customers, um, to, to bring up, um, certain, um, strategies around data monetization, around migration. Um, to help them, everything, um, data. So, yes, I think data monetization is essentially making a positive and measurable impact on the business revenue um, by using data um, effectively. And it's a hot topic um, that we see in the market. And um, so there's also a lot of pressure that I can hear from our customers um, that they have to find um, ways, to generate new uh, revenue streams by monetizing mm-hmm. uh, by monetizing um, data. But um, I think we will cover in more detail what the roadblocks and what yes. the contributors are on their way to real data-driven organizations.
1: Thank you very much. That's exactly what I was looking for as well. And I want to thank both of you. Well, we're going to find out in a couple of minutes where you are. I know you're not here in North Carolina with me. I think you're across several ponds and several oceans. And we'll find out in a minute. Now is the part of the show where each of my panelists has sent me a very interesting quote. And they're going to relate the quote to the topic. So Dr. Sebastian Derwish at BARC, B-A-R-C, sent me a quote from George Box. I didn't know who George Box was. George Edward Pelham Box, F.R.S., lived from 1919 to 2013, a British statistician, worked in the areas of quality control, time series analysis, design of experiments, and Bayesian interference. He was called one of the greatest statistical minds of the 20th century, which is very impressive. Here's the quote Sebastian has selected. All models are wrong, but some are useful. Sebastian, please relate that to our data monetization topic.
2: Well, well well being being a data scientist doesn't doesn't that fit very well, Bonnie. I mean, you know, a statistician, so um yep. <laughs> so all models are wrong but some <laughs> but some are useful. I mean for me for me this is always a reminder that, that all models are op- approximations, right? So you need to be careful when using models, you need to be careful when, when establishing models, you always have to have to ask what are the data behind the model, or certain are the results, what the risk associated with the decision that, that, that comes out of it. And and so so and, and data is key to it, right? So and so you need to take care of the data, data quality, what data are gathered, how they are gathered, and and uh, you know that's that's basically your starting point. Also, when you want to monetize data, you know, because you know when when you know be it selling data, you know, pure data, or be it also like you know monetizing on uh, analytical results, uh, and it, it, the quality of, of whatever you want to sell is always dependent on on the on the input, right? Which is data, you know. So, um, so, so basically, you know, be careful when uh, when you when you when you build models, you know, because uh, there are, there are a lot of flaws that can happen.
1: It, very interesting. I, I want to relate something in the word model. Uh, in the opening, and, and either you, Sebastian, or Wolfgang mentioned, I said one of the things you need to do to monetize your data is to rethink your business model. And the word model is used in the George Box quote. So my quick question to you, and, and uh, Wolfgang, just bear with me for a second. I just want to explore this with Sebastian. My question to you is, what do they need to do? I know we'll get into it later, but just top of mind, what do companies need to do to rethink their business model in order to monetize data? Is there is it a one-size-fits-all rethinking? Uh Sebastian or or what direction do they have to go in?
2: I mean, it's it's individual. You no, know? and so and um but it's always about like, you know, what what question questioning yourself, I mean, what what kind of information would your customers be interested in? Uh, and what kind of information can I provide based on the data I, I, I've gathered? Or I, you know, I may want to gather in the future. So, so what data do I have to gather? Actually, like to provide some value add to my customers. And and based on uh, on, this, uh, on on the answers that you get from the questions, you know, like you, you basically um, have to start of how you actually you know want to want to monetize on data. You know, what, what additional services you may want to provide, or um, you know, so 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 basically, you know, this is where I would start, right? But it's a, but it's a very individual process.
1: Okay, so thank and you. And, that's that's what I was going for. I was wondering whether it was, it was uh, one size fits all or not. I didn't think so, but we're going to get into that more. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Wolfgang has sent us a quote from somebody who shares his first name, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E. He lived from 1749 to 1832, a German mm-hmm. writer and statesman. He wrote four novels. He wrote epic and lyric poetry, prose and verse dramas, memoirs and autobiography, mm-hmm. literary and aesthetic criticism, and he wrote treatises on botany, anatomy, and color. In addition, uh, he has many literary and scientific fragments. I don't know what a fragment is, but he has more than 10,000 letters and 3,000 drawings that he, he drew, he produced, that have survived him. Here's the quote Wolfgang has selected from Vegota: You always have to repeat the truth because the error is preached again and again around us. Very heavy-duty quote there, Wolfgang. Tell me what it means for our topic today, please.
2: Yes, there there are basically two reasons um, why I choose this quote. So um, in view of the many future, it's a a heavy word for me, but there are um, a lot of people out there who believe they can predict the future of business or in in almost any conference you have somebody speaking about the future. So I decided to go with a quote from a well-known chairman, poet, whose motivation to write down these words has nothing to do with business and data monetization. and um, the second reason, of course, is because he um, we have the same beautiful German name, Wolfgang. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but I think um, Johann Wolfgang from Goethe talks about the truth and um, data is the ultimate currency, but without trusted data and real data, It um, can do nothing. This is what I believe. So let me give you an example. So if I want to make an investment decision, so I must be able to rely on my advisor or on my consultant. This could be a human person, a human being. This could be also um, a digital um, application. So um, to choose the best alternative for me based on the experience of the last decades and also on my preferences, so, but if you look at the majority of people living in Germany, for example, they have their money in the bank book or under their pillow. But this is not what I expect. I expect a smart investment strategy based on shares that will be suggested to me that I can expect the highest revenue I can get out of my money, and um, hopefully it will be SAP shares. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. Good, good good intro to our topic. I appreciate it, both of you. You know, we want to have an opportunity to get to know the two of you a little bit better. We've already heard who you are and what you do, so now I want to ask you to some, I sometimes say two personal questions, but not too personal, okay? So, Dr. Sebastian Derwish, where in the world are, I know we called you, so where are you right now in the world? And the second question is, What kind of beverage makes you happy, makes you smart, energizes you? could be any kind of a beverage this afternoon here on the East Coast of the U.S., so it could be a grown-up beverage if you want. But what do you love to drink? Just tell us.
2: Well, first question, I'm in Cologne,
1: so in Germany right now.
2: Um, and, uh, yeah, answer to the second question. I mean, it, what, what makes your and energizes you? I, I, you know, the, the original question was, uh, you know, what, what's in your cup? So, as, being right. a German, I would have said beer, of course, you know?
1: Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know,
2: beer makes you really smart, but... <laughs> 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 then, <laughs> I'm but since sorry. i sorry, but I lived in Spain for a while, and and, uh, and 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 something that's really great, especially in, in hot weather, and it's pretty hot in Germany nowadays, it's ortopera. It's, it's a it's a barley or, or almond based um, uh, um, like milk like beverage, you know. So that, that's really nice when it's hot, and you drink it ice cold. So 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 is, is quite nice, and also energizes you. you know, So I think ortopera makes you smart as well.
1: Thank you. Can you spell that for me? I want to look it up. What you said it's barley based. What's the name of? Is it, is it a beer or was it something else? You're a little bit hard to hear right no, now. No, no, it's
2: it's, it's non alcoholic. It's it's uh, it's horchata. It's like h o r c h a t a horchata. Orchata.
1: I have, I have it, I have it, I have it. Horchata uh, okay, just, okay. sabata, here it is. Uh, what is the difference between Mexican horchata and Spanish horchata? What is sabata barley? Is horchata good or bad for your health? There are all kinds of recipes here. Uh, here, your glass of horchata can be a lot more mysterious than you think. Ooh, a perfect summertime drink, horchata. Most familiar as the sweetened, slightly gritty iced beverage found at tacarillas, is wildly popular through Puerto Rico, Central America, Mexico, and the Yutan Peninsula. Blah 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 blah. What do you think? Is this the right drink I've got? That that
2: that's exactly the right drink,
1: Interesting. Instead of in addition to rice, horchadas can also be made from almond or other nuts, grains, even seeds like pumpkin or sesame. It's a sweet and milky drink. Very, very interesting. Thank you. I don't think we've ever had a horchata mentioned on the show. After nine years and uh, about 2,000 shows, I think this is the first time. So thank you, Sebastian. I feel educated. I'm going to have to find one. And now, Wolfgang, you know the protocol. we love to know where you are today. And what do you love to drink?
2: Yes. Um, so I live in the part um, of Germany. It's a beautiful area, which is uh, the Black Forest. But at the moment, I'm in Amsterdam. And here I'm at a sub-insider conference because um, I'm a speaker at the moment. So I'm sitting in my hotel and i um, doing the show. And um, you will find um, an endurance sport drink in my cup and it will be probably in a bottle, which I normally can use during a long bike ride. So I'm an 18 times Ironman triathlon finisher, and um, I also completed in the legendary Ironman on Hawaii in twenty seventeen, which is at the same time the world championship in my sport. And this is a very special sport and because we have a, a clear vision. We say every finisher is a winner. But we do not compete so much against other competitors. But uh, we want to overcome our you know, peak dog. So I remain quiet. Right, that's normally our number geeks and because they want to know everything about the working out, hard rate distances and whatever, and this is also data monetization because there are numerous vendors out there who offer training equipment which basically measures every possible parameter and compares to peers. This happens all the time because we want to see if we are on course and if we are on, in the right shape for our next race. This is um, what I do beyond working for SAP and having a family with um, two boys.
1: Well, thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm really enjoying speaking with both of you, and I'll just tell you, in case you don't know, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm the creator of all Game Changers radio shows for SAP. We do about 200 live shows a year, and the show you're listening to now is Internet of Things with Game Changers. We have a very solid and loyal global audience, listeners all over the world who really enjoy all of the topics. We just don't talk about just IoT, Internet of Things, sensors, which are very, very popular and part of almost every industry everywhere in the world. We talk about things like today, how to monetize your data. So it's a very, very broad approach to technology. I'm in Durham, North Carolina, moved here a year and a half ago from Long Island, New York. No, we don't say long Island. we say Long Island, those of us who speak properly, I'm I'm going to get fan mail about that one. And uh, gentlemen, this is my second live show today, and I am not allowed to have anything with caffeine in it on radio show days. So all I have is a cool, clear glass of water here, and I've switched from plastic straws, which are environmentally no-nos now, to paper straws. It takes a little getting used to the taste of the paper straw, but after you reuse it a couple times and wash it carefully, it actually doesn't have a taste, which is exactly the way I like it. So I'm sitting here on a very hot day here in Durham, North Carolina, very happy to be speaking with my special guest, Dr. Sebastian Derwish at BARC. That's the Business Application Research Center, and Wolfgang Epting, who is with SAP. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a very, very deep dive, I promise you. It's a hot day, so we're going to dive into the cool part of the pool with my two very cool and very smart panelists and continue our conversation about data monetization. So, however you're listening to us, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Come on, you know the drill. We'll be right back. Aaron out.
0: The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented. By SAP. Visit www.sap.com. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers.
1: Yes, indeed. And we're talking about data monetization, a very important topic. As I said in my opening quote, it's a little bit mushy. Sometimes people aren't sure exactly what it means or what they can do with their data or perhaps what data to pull out and turn into money. That's what we want. We're talking today with Dr. Sebastian Derwish at BARC and with Wolfgang Epting at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Let's start the roundtable, the formal roundtable. We have been going around and around, but we're going to deep dive into some really important topics here. I'm looking at notes Dr. Sebastian Derwish sent before the show, and let's do what I love to call, Sebastian, a level set. So I'm going to read a little bit from your first statement, and then we're going to dive into it, and then we will invite Wolfgang to come in and talk about this topic. So you say, data monetization comes in many forms. When discussing the use of data products, a distinction should be made between internal and external data monetization. Sebastian, please tell us more. Well, um, you know,
2: uh, I think, like, you know, as as, as I mentioned in my quote, uh, uh, there are both ways or two ways. I mean, I think there are, like, several ways you could segment data monetization, but, you know, probably, like, the easiest or the most intuitive to segment it, like, you know, in between internal and external. And internal data monetization basically aims to improve internal processes. You know, so like such as marketing, production, logistics, maintenance of equipment. You know, so you have use cases such as, uh, yeah, improvements of sales marketing by, by customer segmentation. You do customer profiling. You might want to take a fraud detection or you may want to predict when, when, when a device is, um, uh, is failing. So, um, uh, so, so you basically use data, um, for these purposes, right? To improve internal processes. Um, which, which means, you know, you're not selling data outside. No, it's really like it's, it's a pure internal, uh, internal use. And mm-hmm. external data monetization means basically um, using data um, to, for example, like extend an organization's product, you know, your product offering maybe with data driven services or even business models, you know, to create new revenue streams. Like, you know, uh, as an example, if you, for example, see like a company like Zalando, which is a German uh, uh, retailer. I mean, they offer customer segments that are based on the analysis of the customer transactions they have been gathering for the past years. So, so they're not selling data, but they're selling sort of like analytical results that are based on the data they have been gathering. or so you see, you know, like uh, um, other companies like, like Telcos that are, that are selling data even, you know, so others can use these data then, you know, to enrich their their, their own company data um and, and so that's and that's another way another another external way to basically make money out of data you know? um, when we when we look when we look at, at at the different forms of you know internal external data monetization we see that companies nowadays mostly using internal data monetization, so that they're using the data um, to set up use cases to improve internal processes. I mean, there there are a couple of reasons for that. You know, it's it's, it's certainly uh, a little bit easier, um, uh, and and it's certainly also a good way, you know, to get the learning curve started, uh, um, uh, to to, to start with internal process optimization and with uh, selling external data. And there are also some security concerns, of course, um, uh, when you when you sell data. But that's sort of like, you know, how I would segment data monetization.
1: Thank you very much. Let's get some input from our other panelists today, Wolfgang Epting at SAP. Agree or disagree, what would you like to add to this very interesting statement from Sebastian? Wolfgang, go ahead, please.
2: Yeah, I um, agree. So let me add, um, so the, the the target or the goal the most companies are, Looking for so it's internally what what I see is cost reduction and which could mean um, using data to increase productivity or to reduce consumption um, mm-hmm. of waste um, could be but um, for example, if you look at uh, external um, use cases for data monetization, so this um, basically um, um, brings more more uh, opportunities to the to to customers. So, Sebastian um, mentioned um, some ex- examples. So, maybe to make it a little bit more tangible also, um, yes. if you put yourself in the shoes from for, from a chief digitization officer, let's take, for example, John Deere, which is an American-based um, company. And um, if you would um, think it over, how can you contribute to the revenue stream of your company by, by using your data? it's There's a lot of weight and a lot of ideas that you could bring up. And um, so I find it pretty uh, interesting what John Deere did. So they they did a partnership with the Corner University, um, and they had a platform which is Agricultural Analytics. And um, so farmers can access analytics tools and estimators for crop insurance and forecasts for risk management. And um, so here they bring data together from public data sources, including soil type and um, weather. And um, so combined with the detailed agricultural data from John Deere, farmers can get estimate on USDA Risk Management Agency insurance. They can get satellite vegetation imagery and um, real-time feeds on field condition. But um, they now will go a step ahead, and together with the environmental Fund, um, which is partnering with Cornell, to investigate the potential for agricultural sustainability, which is a data hub, and farmers can use it to get guidance with regards to implement conservation practices, for example, or um, you could even think a step further. So, um, longer term, they could use anonymized and aggregated data, for example, to um, to show regional and larger improvements for nitrate runoff and um, nitrous oxide emissions, for example. So here, I think um, what you see by this example. So the use cases are endless, and um, so, for example, it can even boost supply chain transparency between major food companies, so they get transparency on the way um to quantify the progress and verify the practice, farmers implement on, on the ground, So bringing data together um, can can get a lot of, of value. And um, I think um, starting with an um, internal um, data monetization part the future will be um, using data externally.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, Sebastian, do you have anything to add to what Wolfgang added to your statement?
2: Well, it's 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 a great example that Wolfgang actually like brought up, you know. And but but I also think um, that uh, that you know I think the real challenge is that a lot of companies, I mean, um, they are experiencing data quality issues. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 do have to start the process of thinking. Okay, you know, how could I actually use the data? You know, apart from you know, like reports, basically. Um, so 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 I mean, like there are a lot of you know they have to start this ideation process first. So there are a lot of like you know um, hurdles they have to take and actually uh, to, to 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 get you know to a case where they can um, uh, where they can actually like you know monetize their data also externally. So I think you know this, this, what Wolfgang mentioned is already like quite elaborated you know and it, it, it's a great case of course you know but but uh, the reality that I see with most companies is that that they are actually like at much earlier points where, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as I said, you know, they have to think of, like, what's relevant really, then they have to tackle data quality or other technological issues, then they have to sort of also um, increase their, their human capacity, you know, people that are actually able to, to, to do data analysis maybe, you know, or um, to deploy um, maybe also machine learning models that produce analytical results. So, so there are a lot of things, you know, where a company has to grow um, in order to actually, like, you know, come up with an elaborated uh, business model based on data. But, uh, but of course, I mean, if you never take the first step, you know, you, never, you will never see where the journey takes you, of course, right? But 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 it sort of, like, you know, for me explains why a lot of companies are in, early, in an early stage, you know, like why a maturity of the topic isn't that high at the moment.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, good conversation. And Wolfgang, I'm looking at your notes, and I think we've covered a lot of them already, but let me read a couple that jump out at me, and I want to explore the idea of poor data quality. So let me start with you, say, With decreasing sales, dwindling customer loyalty – that's a whole show in itself – and shrinking profit margins – business organizations are under immense pressure to open up new ways to earn revenue or to save money. And we've talked about that. You and and Sebastian have already talked about the whole concept of data monetization. You need to do it. Your company needs to do it. You need to find ways to turn that data into gold, if you will. Some people call data the new oil. I did hear a very controversial statement, just just a sidebar to both of you. Oh, I think it was last year a panelist uh, was confronted with data is the new black oil. And he said, no, because oil is typically one use. use it and then you throw it away or you recycle it. But it's more than that. It just keeps on being usable and monetizable and mineable. So I'm just going to throw that out. But Wolfgang, you say today only a small portion of companies have already established ways to monetize data. And here's the one I want you to talk about. Really dive into this. The majority of organizations underestimate the impact of poor data quality, and many do not have an understanding of the relevant privacy regulations. This sounds like danger to me. So, let's talk about poor data quality and or we all live with GDPR since May of 2018. Wolfgang, start us off on this, please.
2: Yes, of course. So, First of all, um, so the reason why only a small proportion of companies already have established um, ways to monetize data, this is exactly what Sebastian mentioned. So first of all, is data quality. The other one is um, data security. But if you look at data quality in particu- particular, particular, um, so the first step <coughs> for to data monetization is, is to take an inventory of the data assets and to identify what data do you have and what is the value behind the data in generating additional revenue or um, actualizing cost um, savings so um, during this process uh, companies will find that not all data is of equal value so basically, what um, what we see here in the market at the moment um, is the upcoming of so-called uh, data catalog um, solutions which help the customers to get a profound uh, understanding about um, the data that they they really have. And if you see it more from a technical point of view, they must set up a, um, let me call it a, a data factory. So they must must automate the process of collecting, enriching, transforming, deriving insights from from data. And this is not so easy. It's a complex undertaking. Mm -hmm. So you have to to use um, a a set of principles, design principles. Um, You have to think about your technology stack, the architecture. You have to have a robust platform with intuitive interfaces for data scientists, modeling, and whatever. And the goal is to create a single source of truth from the data storage point of view, harmonization and um, processing. So, um, and then there is um, also another um, decision that companies have to make um, regarding the right data platform. This could be a large scale, multi-party data sharing and scalable computing platform. And then, um, how do I do it on a public, private cloud, or whatever? To reach my goal, this is more the technical point of view, but there is also an um, let me call it an organizational point of view. Um, Companies have to have a robust governance model in place, and um, this is what we see at the moment. This is um, not not the case by the majority of um, companies out there. And um, they have to um, to be responsive to outside compliance requirements written by government regulators. So, for example, GDPR um, mm-hmm. in Europe would be one of the one of the um, examples um, here, because um, you cannot use um, personal identifiable information um, because mm-hmm. you do not have a consent. If you look particularly to GDPR, but I think, all other regulations in this world, like HIPAA or whatever you would yes. think, um, they all, they all talk about personal identifiable information, and this is information which can be used to identify a natural person. And um, so here, um, the GDPR normally says that PII um, must not be used or stored or processed um, with the exception is there is some kind of uh, a, um, a legal ground, and a legal ground could be, for example, consent. So if the individual gives you the consent to use this data for being monetized, and this is in the most cases um, this is not the reality, or you have to to use some kind of techniques like anonymization, that when those data... Um, Or the changes data in such a way to make it impossible to derive insight on a discrete individual. And this is um, also hard stuff um, to implement it because um, it's not so easy. Um, If you look at at your data, let's take PII data from the health sectors, you have uh, numbers, ages, disease, Mm -hmm. weight, or something like that. Um, So this is highly sensitive data. And if you want to run some kind of analytics based on this data, then you have to think it over, what can I do to take semantics away from the data? And But at the same time, you have to preserve enough value in your data that you are able to run some kind of analytics or that you can use your data to build an analytical platform that others can consume from an external side, and this is hard to implement, and I think um, the techniques um, and the algorithms and the platforms which are able to do this are just um, at the beginning.
1: Thank you very much. I, I want to get Sebastian in on this, but, Sebastian, before you, you comment on this, a uh, question for you and then for Wolfgang as well. Does what we're talking about, I said in my opening, any company can monetize data. Is it easier for startups to think about this and build it into their initial business plan? Is it easier for mid-sized companies than large legacy enterprises? Are there change management issues? Are there uh, the, the hiring of a new department for data scientists are going to go clean up that data and mine it and figure out where all the lakes and the oceans and the swamps are of data? So is it easier for smaller companies and bigger companies, or do they all have an equal chance to monetize? Let me start with, with you, uh, Sebastian, and then I'm going to ask Wolfgang as well. It's
2: an interesting question. Um, you know, questioning me, like, if, it, if it's easier for startups, you know, because, like, you know, when, when, uh, when especially bigger companies, when they, when they start thinking uh, uh, about, like, how they could actually establish analytics in their company, they usually sort of they set up a lab, laboratory, you know, which which is sort of like a startup within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this because they want to um, establish establish new processes. You know, they want to come, uh, like, you know, they, they, they don't want to expose, you know, data scientists or, or business analysts that work with the lab um to like uh, establish processes you know also i t processes but they but they want to sort of like you know get creative um, uh, and and uh, rethink processes and rethink maybe also business models and and rethink you know like which data could be important and how you could use it actually so right. so with regard to this, I think like you know for for startups, you know, I mean, they actually, like, they, they come up maybe with a data-based idea, you know. So, so for them, it's, it's sort of it's, it's easier than for an established company to think outside of the box, you know, because it's ingrained into their business model, this kind of new ways of, of using data, of gathering data, of, of using new data sources. Whereas when you're an established company, I mean, there are so many security lines. Um, there, are, there are so many established also budget processes um, that you have to follow so so it might get hard you know to come up with uh, new creative ideas and also like you know try them out because um uh, monetizing data you know uh, and, and uh, you know using analytics in this process also means sometimes you know failing with your ideas so um which 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 is sort of a strange concept right i mean you know that you like usually that you actually like you come up with an idea you try it out and and then at the end you know it might not work um so but but you have to create the space for it so um So this is sort of like, you know, I think like the precondition that you have to to set up in companies to actually uh, think of new ways of how you could actually monetize data, you know, apart from the usage that that has been going on for the past, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, Yeah.
1: Thank you. Uh, interesting question. I'm glad you found my question interesting. I try to only ask interesting questions, Sebastian. Wolfgang, I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Is it easier for startups to build data monetization right from the get-go in their business plan, perhaps presented to, as part of even their their before exit strategy to their VCs or angel investors? And what are the hurdles, in your opinion, I agree or disagree with what Sebastian said, the hurdles for mid-sized to large companies to embrace this?
2: yes um so um, I would I would agree to what um, the question that so let me let me give you an example here also yes. um, so from um, automo uh, automobile manufacturers for example so they start to think about monetizing um, data but not not um, all data is created equally and so there's a lot of, of value behind um, the data for example um, so the automakers themselves want to understand how their products are being used. For example, dealerships for maintenance and repair. Telecommunication companies are seeking to provide um, Wi-Fi, um, in weekly Wi-Fi, um, to scale IP networks and um, whatever. But, um, for example, if you look at startups, um, there is a so-called onboard diagnostic port, um, and this is a pretty smart idea. So many startups provide a piece of hardware that plugs into this OBD, and those can get um, data out of um, of cars, which they can, for example, sell to insurance company or to mm-hmm. repair shops. And this this shows that um, that startups, I think, um, are more agile, more flexible, more creative, maybe also a little bit on coming up with ideas how to monetize um, data, but I think the race is on, and um, so the big companies um, um, will have to catch up, um, because um, this is only a small part of, of, of the data, and um, so big companies normally um, have all the data, which the startups do not have, um, but it's if it comes down to data quality and data security, I think both are facing the same challenges.
1: Thank you. Very, very insightful. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the time. We have about seven minutes before we go to our predictions round. So let me see if we've got anything here in the notes that we haven't talked about. Um, oh, let's see. I'm looking at your notes, uh, Sebastian. Let me see here. Uh, what would you like? I'm going to open it up to you. Anything you want to talk about? You, you've got so much good information here. Uh, data products can bring a broad range of benefits. You say, given the opportunities to, the most common way to monetize data is the provision of data via benchmarking and reporting. I'm talking about BI software, mm-hmm. what would you like to talk about?
2: I, you know, let me like you know before I like go on to another topic. Maybe can I can I just add one last point to, to sure, previous, of course,
1: point? Please yeah. be my guest. Yeah, yes.
2: Because, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, gotcha. Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the point you were asking about was like you know that the majority of organizations underestimate the impact of poor data quality, and Wolfgang was talking about like you know data governance, data security, and, um, and, and, and 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 you know like being a data scientist, you know you like to sort of like try out things, you know. So 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 when when we conduct when I conduct proof of concept prototypes, you know with with companies, um, it's it's really about like identifying ideas and then just. Going, you know, and and so and and in this process of, of you know conducting prototypes, you discover a lot about your data which just isn't right, you know. And then it, it just usually takes a long while until you actually can access the data,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
2: So so then actually management starts starts asking, so why is it taking so long? You know, like I mean, we've been actually starting with this prototype, um, I don't know, like three months ago, you know, and it should be agile, it should be quick. Um, right. and, and and also, sudden data quality, you know, is a, is a management topic. You know, something the management hasn't been caring about previously. So, so they actually like see the roadblocks, you know. And so, so, so I think you know what what was going. You know, whenever I, when I hear data governance, data security, I see sort of. So many regulations, you know. I mean, but it might hinder you from iteration because you, you, you know, just you know, being provocative, you know. But 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 it might hinder you from experimentation because you can't access the data. Maybe you know, you're not allowed to access the data, or you know, it's, it's privacy regulations. Whereas, you know, my approach would be just you know, get going, you know, start it, and then you know, see what happens, you know, see what which problems you encounter, and and of course, you know, the, the the truth lies in between it, you know. I mean, it's it's it's, it's about it's about trying things out, but it's also you know, uh, especially when you want to operationalize, productionize these solutions, it's really about data governance. It's, it's about data security. It's about, you know, building scalable, maintainable solutions. But in the, in the first place, when you start, you know, uh, the ideation process, it, it really, like, there shouldn't be any, any blocks, you know, I think. I think it's really about trying things out and see, see where it takes you. I think that's, that's, a, that's a great benefit, I think. And that's Thank also you. Like, something, you know, that maybe yeah. the, the, the startups might have a little more in a way.
1: Now, now, I want to ask both of you a question. As we were, you were talking. I was thinking. Uh, we mentioned the word data scientist. We've done whole shows on business analyst by day, data scientist by night. You know, where do they hang their cape when they're done being being a stealth? Data scientists at night. We did a show on that in another series of, whoa, earlier this year. But my question is, if you have data scientists, you have the people who are looking at, at monetization. Is it time to create a new department? We talked about governance. We talked about privacy, data quality, finding it. Is it internal or external? How do you find it? How do you use it? All that good stuff. Let's talk about the people side. Do you need somebody joining the C-suite, Sebastian and Wolfgang called the Data monetization officer is DMO, the newest C-suite, who's going to be in that in that chair, the chief data monetization officer, CDMO. It's getting longer. We need a bigger chair to write that on. So who's going to be supervising all these people, so that, as Sebastian said, so that the process is agile and it's flexible and it's nimble and it's quick, and senior management isn't saying. What's well, taking you so long. It's been three months. They're sitting at the table with the person who is running the project. Uh, let me start with you, uh, Sebastian. What do you think? Is it time for a chief data monetization officer, or do we already have one?
2: No, I think i mean it's it's the people in the digitization initiatives actually like you know that that, that as projects are maturing are um are taking on these these responsibilities you know mm-hmm. and uh, because i mean they they, they see that you know, it's uh, data monetization is, it's of course not only about uh, analytics you know it's also about gathering new data it's maybe setting up an app you know to to actually gather data to provide people but also with with extra services you know um uh, and so 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 there are different aspects to the whole thing and and uh and and data labs or digitization initiatives you know become actually broader over time um and and do not focus only on machine learning anymore I think like you know and in, in more mature companies um uh they they really have like you know different aspects of, of like for example you know setting up apps for example or like like new new consumer apps. Um, which is a great way to, to interact with customers and gather new data that you can actually use for, for further analytics later on. So I think, like, you know, there are actually roads uh, being established to take on these responsibilities and, and digitization initiatives.
1: Thank you. Let's go to Wolfgang Epting. Agree or disagree? What do you What do you observe in your travels around the world with people who are looking at data monetization at, at all kinds of companies? Wolfgang?
2: Yeah, so let me add uh, to what Sebastian um, said, that... Um, the data scientist, which is the best-paid um, person in the world at the moment, so I have the feeling um, so this is not the natural enemy of of data governance. So people have to understand uh-huh. that data quality and data governance help the data scientist. So this is not a number which comes which comes from SAP, but it comes from um, Google. So ninety-five percent of the time of the data scientist, which is really expensive, is being used to prepare data, to bring data together, to join data. And this is something what I think can be done by a proper platform. So um, to take this this task away from the data scientist and to make it as a a asset, for example. So um, to have a platform which helps the data scientist and the best model has to be operationalized. So um, they can be creative. As they want, um, but if they are finished and the model is ready, there have to be some kind of solution, which um, they can use, for example, to take this model um, to production. And this is um, how we from SAP can help with, um, with, um, with smart products. Um, and what I call it, because um, especially of this conflict... Um I developed um a strategy, let me call it um, tactical data governance. This is something that helps the data scientists to gain value in a quick win. So this is had nothing to do with strategic data governance, which for example takes ten years, for example. This is not what the data data scientists can use. But um at the end of the day, in the longer run, companies have to think about um also strategic um, data governance, of course, but um, in the first step, uh, they have to apply measures to help the data scientists. Do we need um, another C-level executive? I would say no. Um, We need that the chief data officer and the chief digitization officer comes up um, in in companies all around the world, and I think the responsibility for data in all flavors is up to him.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. You know what? We are already deep into our prediction round. I think we already covered a little bit of our predictions, but it's technically called the crystal ball. I have 60 seconds left for each of you. So Dr. Sebastian Derwish at BARC, please give me your prediction on if we met again any time between now and 2025, what would change about this topic, turning your data into money. 60 seconds, Dr. Derwish, go.
2: Well, I would think um, that uh, data quality will be less of an issue in 2025. I mean, people will get more and more aware of it, and so um, they, they do actually do something about it. Um, I don't. I don't think like in 2025, uh, nobody will say that data quality is an issue, but I think it will be considerably reduced. Um, and I think also by 2025, um, I mean nowadays we have like 70 percent, 70 percent of the people, you know, that, that, that uh, um, like in the marketing the companies basically um, that are. Um, using data monetization, reaping benefits from data, more or less. I think, like, this, this percentage will increase considerably. I mean, we do see um, a lot of companies on the verge of, sort of, like, productionizing their prototypes. And I think um, we will see a, a large increase of companies really, like, monetizing data.
1: Thank you very much. Wolfgang Epting, 60 seconds, they're all yours. Veet, veet, go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I think organizations are analyzing more data than ever, and um, I mean, an attempt to stay ahead of the competition, and this will not change. Um, they maybe they have to use their third-party uh, data in business intelligence and advanced analytics, in particular, to to grow um, rapidly um, to to get um, the full picture. And I think IDC, for example, and other um, organizations predict that uh, market intelligence. Um, so most of the companies will have some kind of monetization department, um, in, in 2025. 20, 20, but there's another thing, um, which I find pretty interesting here. Um, maybe on the last seconds for a little bit of a brainstorming. So Google's, each user is worth $182. That means uh, Google has a market cap of around um, 364 billion and they have two uh, billion active users. And if you divide it, you will come to this number. So that means um, data is the new currency, and maybe what could happen in the future that um, individuals are starting to sell the data, which would change the game a little bit. Because um, as we all know, um, personal data is bought and sold by dozens, hundreds, thousands That's of companies right. at at um, at the at the moment, but um, so individuals do not um, get um, a lot of value out of it.
1: Thank you, Wolfgang. Good food for thought. We have to wrap up here. I want to do some shout-outs to Dana Quarter at SAP for putting together this panel. And a shout-out to Arsha Arvandi, who's worked with us all year. Rujah, hope you're enjoying your maternity leave. Ira Burke, sponsor of the series, Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like my super smart guest today, Dr. Sebastian Derwish at BARC Business Application Research Center and Wolfgang Epting at SAP. Have a great day, and if you're in the U.S., enjoy your July 4th week next week. We'll be back the week after with lots more Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO.